A Duff Said is brought to you by Sheldon Street Pizza. Visit them online at sheldonstreetpizza.com or stop by Sheldon's during your next trip to Lake Orion. Sheldon Street Pizza, the official pizza of A Duff Said. And by Fourth Coast Cider Works, quality craftsmanship, quality hard cider. You can check them out online at fourthcoastciderworks.com or come get a can or a howler at their Canterbury Village location. Not available for anyone under the age of 21. Please drink responsibly. Hi, this is Ben Hassinger, Michigan's ukulele ambassador and baseball balladeer. And you are listening to the best sports podcast here in Michigan. And that's a Duff Set. Thank you so much for hitting the play button on your favorite listening device of choice from wherever you listen to podcasts. My name is Duff Tyler, and that's a Duff Set. Now, if you follow this podcast, you've heard Ryan Slocum on this show before. He's been on many times in the past. This time around, he is here to talk about his own podcast, The Job Guys. Now, Sloak has had a lot of success in sports broadcasting, but a few years back, Sloak decided it was time for him to create a podcast of his own for fans like him of professional wrestling. I caught up with Slocum recently to talk about that love for pro wrestling and how he created the job guys. My conversation with Ryan Slocum starts now. When did you start following professional wrestling? Because you have been a fan, or what they like to call in the business, a mark for a very long time. What got you interested in pro wrestling? Man, that's a great question. So, you know, I was a child in the 80s. And obviously that was the the golden era. And Hulk Hogan, you know, was the biggest thing on earth back then. And, you know, I don't really know how I first discovered it, to be honest with you. Because back then I was like Transformers. You know, everything was Transformers back then. And then like baseball cards. Same. And and I didn't really have any friends that watched it or anything. So I don't know if I just happened to come across it on TV or there was a Hulk Hogan cartoon back then, Hulk Hogan's rock and wrestling. I, I didn't that. watch that. Yeah, I didn't. So I don't know if I came across it or what, but at some point I did start watching it a little bit. Problem was anytime I did see it, my brother and I would like, acted out and somebody would get hurt or something you know classic story so i wasn't really allowed to watch it um then i finally did watch one night just so happened to be my mom was out of town doing something and my dad was upstairs watching whatever he was watching and my brother and i were downstairs well it just so happened to be that day was february 5th 1988 first time wrestling had been on primetime TV in 30 years. And that just so happened to be Hulk Hogan against Andre the Giant when they screwed him. And uh, the twin referee, Hebner's, came out and Andre won the belt and gave it to DiBiase. And I was hooked from that point on. And I think 
you know, my parents didn't want me to watch it or whatever. And then just finally they gave up. <laughs> they gave up. I'm like, ah, whatever. Yeah, you know, man, that was the one that hooked me, me and 33 million other people that night. Your story and my story are kind of uh, similar in a lot of ways, because I didn't really get into it until my dad took me to a house show in my hometown of Terre Haute, Indiana, and it was an all-star card, Hall of Famers up and down the card. You had the main event was Macho Man Randy Savage versus Ted DiBiase for the championship. This was nice. not too long after WrestleMania four when Macho Man right. won the belt against the Million Dollar Man. And yep. so Elizabeth was there, and I remember seeing this one guy in addition to the Macho Man that I just couldn't take my eyes off of. I was like hooked from the moment he came to the ring. Brett the Hitman Hart. I just yeah. saw that long hair and the sunglasses and the jacket. I was like, this guy's pretty badass, even though he's yeah. wearing pink as part of his color ensemble. And so I was like a big fan of his from the beginning. I was such a mark for Brett the Hitman Hart. Became a huge fan that night. But that was my introduction to it. My dad was always one who would watch it if it was on TV on a Saturday morning and the British Bulldogs were on because... My dad loved Matilda. He was all about <laughs> that little bulldog that they always brought to the ring with them. So I'd watch every now and then. But then when he took me to that house show, that's when it really turned me on to professional wrestling. And I remember that summer, I would have my grandparents. We would rent WrestleMania Four on VHS, the two-tape yep. collection, because it was yep. such a long show. And then I just watched it over and over again. I became such a fan of all the different characters on the show. And it started off with Brett the Hitman Hart getting screwed out of the Battle Royal Championship against Bad News Brown. And from that moment on, I was a fan of his. I was a fan of Hogan's. I was a fan of the Macho Man. And of course, over the over the course of history, I got into it uh, many different other times. But that one for me was the golden era, like you said. I was really into it then. And I got to go to a few more house shows in my hometown of Terre Haute. They came three more times after that. And I went to all of those shows. You talk about acting it out. I had a lot of friends who were into wrestling at my elementary school. So we would always mimic what we saw on TV. We would always talk about it every day. Who we thought, uh, who could beat who in a dream match scenario. And it got to the point where it was where I couldn't take my eyes off of it. I couldn't stop talking about it. So my parents said, okay, that's enough. You need to focus on school and not on professional wrestling. So I got out of it for a while. And I think for a lot of people, they got turned on to it in another era during the Attitude Era and the 90s era when it was Raw versus Nitro for the Monday Night Wars. I was kind of into it, but my interests were more into professional sports like football, baseball, basketball, college sports. I was getting into uh, college, so I was doing a lot of play-by-play uh, -play for football and basketball and doing a lot of baseball at the time. So it kind of went on the back burner for me. I know that was a big era for you when you were in college. You were watching that all the time. You became a big fan of the NWO. I'm wearing an NWO shirt right now. Perfect. That was a perfect <laughs> setup for that. <laughs> I'm literally wearing one right now. I've been wearing it all day. Uh yeah, I never really got out of it. Um, I didn't like it as much. You know, I was probably a fan longer than my other friends were. Like some of them, they still paid attention and everything, but they didn't. They didn't watch as closely from like 
93 to 96, maybe even 92, like when the steroid stuff happened and Hogan went away and the warrior went away and Sid and all those guys had to go away. Um, I kept watching. And then at about, so I ended up like kind of not watching as much right before the NWO started. So like I watched WrestleMania 12, I watched Michaels win and I used to be a big Michaels fan. And then I was just kind of like, eh. And then I, you know, I just turned 16 you get a car, you're driving around, you got a girlfriend, you got friends, you got stuff to do. I'm not sitting at home watching wrestling. But I did know what was going on. And WCW, I didn't have cable. So I could only watch, you know, what's over the air. And it was on Channel 4 in Detroit at like 9 in the morning on Saturday mornings. So I did see it here and there. And I knew Scott Hall had showed up. And then I knew Nash showed up. And I knew there was going to be a third dude. And lo and behold, like I was on family vacation in the middle of nowhere in Wisconsin. And I was watching it live in the hotel. And then they're like, okay, buy your pay-per-view right now. But we're in the hotel. So I couldn't see it. So I couldn't see who was coming out of Bash of the Beach. And then I kind of forgot about it again. Because summertime, you're doing other things. And it was like a month later, I found out that it was Hogan. And... I told my other friends, like, what? Hogan's a bad guy? Wait, what? And then we all just, we got into it maybe even more than when we were kids because of that. I mean, it was incredible, man. I mean, the stuff they were doing was revolutionary. We'd never seen anything like this before. The behind the scenes stuff that they were doing and just Hogan being a bad guy, first of all. And in the back of your mind, you didn't know, were they really taking over? Did Vince really send them down here to blow this place up like you didn't know and the stuff that was going on on the other channel still was terrible um you still had all those stupid gimmicks on the other channel that everybody makes fun of you know the <laughs> the plumber and duke the dumpster drosy and all this stuff Doink. yeah nobody wanted to watch that stuff they hadn't really flipped it yet and stone cold started shortly around the same time but the show was not good whatsoever. Meanwhile, the NWO is doing something completely different, and it is tapping into people our ages, nostalgia a little bit. You know, the the people that we cheered for when we were little kids are now bad guys. So, I mean, it was perfect, man. I mean, it, it, it couldn't have been better. It couldn't have been better. And, you know, I am slightly tied into now forever the Monday Night Wars myself because if you watch the Monday Night War docuseries on the network i am the guy who's in the open of every single one of those ripping the monday night raw banner in half that's you that is me i never knew that yeah that's me in the front row at raw or excuse me nitro 100 at the palace of auburn hills when lex luger beat hulk hogan i was there front row skip school to buy tickets and I had this banner. It was like a poster that came in the Raw magazine, like the very first edition. And it was like a pull-out poster. And before the show, the camera guy shooting people. I'm like, hey, dude, dude, come here. I'm like, hey, I want to rip this up on the air. And he was like, awesome. All right, cool. Like, well, he goes, I'll come over, you know, coming in and out of breaks. You know, they always show the crowd on Nitro. He's like, yeah, I'll come over at some point. 
in a three, four breaks, he didn't come over and I yelled at him again. I'm like, Hey, he said, Oh yeah. Yeah. And he comes over and he's like, all right, I'll count you down. And then when this red light comes on, go to work. And then there you go. And they didn't discover that ever. Cause I was thinking, I was like, this is going to live forever. It's going to be awesome. You know, like some of the things you see on the WrestleManias, you see certain shots all the time. You know, I was thinking it was going to be like that. They never showed it again. They never once showed it again. And it was never on anything. It was never on any of the DVDs or anything. And then I start watching the Monday Night War docuseries. Somebody finally found it. And they put it in the open. They were like, oh, there it is. It was like 25 years later, you know. The star crazy. was born that night. Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that was going to be the first of many times that you saw that red light on a camera. And you started right. doing something. Because you went on to have a very successful career in sports broadcasting in your hometown near Flint. And then, then all of a sudden you're now a legend because you tore up that Monday night banner and it's uh, (laughs) going to live forever. I never knew that. Coming up, Ryan tells us how he came up with the concept of the job guys and who is Sloke's dream interview. You're listening to the best local sports podcast in Michigan. And that's a Duff set. If you are looking for a fun night out during the weekend here in Lake Orion, then stop by Fourth Coast Cider Works. Fourth Coast Cider Works is the place to be for hard cider in Oakland County. Located in the main entrance to Canterbury Village, Fourth Coast is quality craftsmanship, quality hard cider. Stop by Fourth Coast and try some of their many flavors on tap. You can also take some home in a can or a howler. For a complete list of ciders and hours, go to FourthCoastCiderWorks.com. Fourth Coast Cider Works, the best hard cider is on the Fourth Coast. Not available for anyone under the age of 21, Please drink responsibly. If it's pizza night, Sheldon Street Pizza has got you covered. Sheldon's pizzas are always made fresh when you order them, and the readers of the Lake Orion Review have voted Sheldon's Breadsticks as the best in Lake Orion. Stop by Sheldon Street Pizza at 3767 South Baldwin Road in Orion Township, or you can order online by visiting SheldonStreetPizza.com. Don't forget to try one of Sheldon's salads with his special blend of homemade salad dressings. He's also got some pretty tasty desserts as well. Sheldon Street Pizza, more than just pizza, it's the official pizza of a Duff set. So when did you decide that this would be something that you could turn into a podcast? It was a while ago, man. So I was, uh, I was one of the first like Bill Simmons fans. Yeah. I loved that guy from the get go. And he's really, you know, the pod father or whatever you want to call him. He really changed what podcasts are currently, you know, it used to be, it has to be like five minutes. It's got to be real short. Nobody wants to sit around and listen to an interview for an hour. You know, can't be doing that. Well, he changed that. He made it so people do want to sit around and listen to him and his friends. And that's really what it was. It, it was him and his buddies. 
doing what you and I are doing right now, you know? They were just sitting around talking about God knows what. The one guy was a Yankee fan. Well, he's a Red Sox fan, and this guy's a poor Washington Wizards fan. And they, they just had fun talking. And I had this buddy, Nick, who was basically like my wrestling twin brother, and he's real charismatic and everything, but he lives in Orlando. And I was like, man, we should really do this. We should really do this sometime. We, we should figure out how to do this. And we've been talking about it for years, man. I mean, it, I don't even know. Over 10 years ago, we were thinking about it. But he's not very tech savvy. And I could have figured it out. But we were just lazy. And didn't I didn't, like, crack down and be like, hey, I am going to figure this out today. And this is pre-Zoom and pre-all that kind of stuff, you know. So I was like, oh, I don't want to mess with it. And it's going to cost too much money or whatever. And then finally, the pandemic hit, and I didn't have nothing else to do. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'm going to figure this out. And um, I had to, I was, obviously technology was way better at this point, and it was, everybody could do it. It was super easy now. Same and here. Was, That's how it started for me. Yeah, and I was doing a bunch of, I was doing like my own editing and stuff anyway. I started like freelance and doing my own, stories and documentaries and things like that so then i had all the equipment and for him all he needed to do was get one of those blue magic microphones or whatever usb mics and stick it in his computer boom ready to go so in zoom you know zoom changed the world and there you go so then it was easy it was easy and he didn't have anything he was teaching and i was covering high school sports well they all got canceled so we had nothing to do but sit around and talk about wrestling and that's what we did the podcast is called the job guys you can listen to that and you can get ryan's takes on all the pay-per-views uh some of the shows that are taking place right now you can get ryan's reviews you can get a lot of insight into professional wrestling just listening to ryan and nick on the job guys podcast one thing I do want to give you credit for, Sloke, is your editing skills are phenomenal. You don't get six Emmys by not being a great editor, and that uh, is something that you really bring to this because it's not just two guys talking. You really do a great job with the production quality of this. I really do feel like I'm watching an actual show watching this when you take the time to really work your craft into these this podcast. It's not just two guys sitting around. You actually do feel like you're watching an actual wrestling show, even though you got to work around some of the copyright issues and things like that. Right. But yeah, we've been hit. A it's couple great. Times. <laughs> we've been hit a couple times. Uh, yeah, I appreciate that, man. It that's what I'm trying to do too, because I do. I know a lot of, and there's no knock on other people. I you know I went to school for this, right? And I've been doing it for twenty some years, so. I'm like, I better use that ability to try to make my show better than other people's shows are, you know, and even if only like 200 people are seeing it or whatever it ends up being or 10,000, like some of our shows, I want to make it the best we can possibly make it. So then they'll come back, you know, so you got to give them a little something. And I, that's what I try to do, man. I try to make it look like it's something real. It's not just two dudes sitting there talking. You know, so we got a nice open and we got, you know, I try to treat it like a radio show. We put drops in and I'm learning 
more and more every time I do it too. I'm like, oh, I'm why am I using audio drops like a radio show? I got video. I'm start using video drops, you know, and you know, just try to be as creative as you can with it. And we try to do some fun stuff. Like we've done tournaments and things around the NCAA tournament. The very first show we ever did was the NCAA tournament style worst WrestleMania matches of all time. Oh, that, I, that would take up uh, a lot more than just a field of 64. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it, it took time to whittle it down, you know. So we did, and then I had three buddies on a panel, and we all got to pick one, and then we went around and picked and picked and picked, and then we had other people come in. I'm like, well, how can I grow the show? Let me call somebody from The Torch and see if they'll come on the show. Let me call this guy from USA Today and see if he'll come on and pick one. You know, an observer guy. So we got a couple people to do that. And then, all right, what else can we do? So we've done things like that. And we do a show that's similar to like a Bill Simmons show where we run it back is what we call it. And that's WrestleMania eight. We did it for that one. Um, we've done WrestleMania three. We've done the main event that I talked about Hogan and Andre. We've done some real bad ones where we just rip on it. The whole, cause it's so bad, you know? So you try to be funny and sarcastic and, be funny with the video and you just try to make it entertaining like you said you're trying to make it seem like a show not just two dudes sitting there giving their opinion you know mm -hmm. try to add some entertainment value to it as well so that, that's what we're trying to do anyway i appreciate it's working with you that's what separates good podcasts from the thousands of others that are out there because if you Millions. go yeah everybody's <laughs> doing it right now i mean it, for me, it was just a simple situation. I wasn't getting a chance to do sports reporting and tell the kind of stories that I wanted to at the place I was at. And so I just said, you know what? I'm just going to do a podcast. Everybody else is. I've got the right. equipment and I know how to do production quality stuff. I know how to separate it from everyone else's. I mean, yours is a video production, whereas mine, I just like to keep it simple with audio because yeah. I I really don't have all the equipment necessary to make it a video podcast, but you never know. It could progress to that someday. Well, I'll tell you, I wish I did it the way you're doing it sometimes because it'd be a lot easier and, you know, I, I and and there's a better honestly there's a better outreach probably with the just the audio because you can throw whatever you're on iTunes or Podbeam or Spotify you know you just hit the button you don't have to be sitting there watching it you know you don't have to be physically sitting making sure because some of our stuff you got to see to get the whole grasp of it you know yeah no one can so, see your studio with all your championship belts to know that you're qualified to speak on this if they can't see <laughs> the actual things that you purchased over the years <laughs> yeah right no doubt well and also what you got you got those pipes big fella i don't have those oh okay. you got you, <laughs> dude you're a you way got, better talker than i am you got the pipes my friend i don't know how you do it i, I can't i, I don't can't. either <laughs> yeah, you know, there were times yeah. when I actually envisioned myself being like a Howard Finkel or a Justin Roberts, the guys who were the ring announcers, because... I could see you being a Fink, you, because Fink had that, Roberts kind of yells, you, you got the, you got the pipes over there, though. And, and who is the guy who is like uh, on WWE now, like, I, I can't tell if he's, I can't remember if he's on SmackDown or Raw, but he is I the guy who does yeah. it just like Justin Roberts in that 
he's got to get that really inflection in there. Whereas Howard Finkel just, you know, reached down just a little bit more to just get out what he was saying. And my favorite part of all, of course, was anytime a championship changed hands as a result of somebody winning a match, you always got that. And new world wrestling federation champion. And I always was hooked on that. I, I love that because it was simple. It didn't have to be, like it is yep. now, where both I think both the Raw and SmackDown announcers they do a good job, but it's when they have to growl in introducing yes. somebody. Like everybody, whether it's Seth freaking Rollins or the American Nightmare, yeah. Cody Rhodes. I I, yeah. I don't know if it needs to go to that level to really introduce somebody. I don't know if that's something Vince told them to do. It's gotta be. Yeah, it's got to be because if you look now, now they have a girl, Samantha or something or other is her name, Irvin, I think, and she growls like crazy too. And it, each of their last, however many, even going back to Brandy Rhodes when she was doing it, they all sound exactly the same. They all have that growl and over the top. Ah! And, and the thing wasn't like that his voice was so unique because he didn't have the pipes but he did drop his voice down low into it but it, it was such a unique sound but uh yeah he was the best man I mean, he, he was absolutely great yeah and as far as interviewers go i actually uh when i was driving home from work this afternoon i caught a youtube video with mean gene bobby the brain heenan and roddy rowdy piper Three really? of the all-time greats, and unfortunately, they're not with us anymore. They're, they've all passed on, but those, to me, were three of the best talkers in wrestling. Heenan might be... I've heard of this. This isn't my... like. I didn't come up, come up with this, but it might be true. Heenan might be the most talented whatever in wrestling of all time. Whether you, I mean, you take everybody and you throw them all in a pot, Paul Kogan, Roddy Roddy Piper, Stone Cold, Vince, whoever, Bobby Heenan might be the greatest act in wrestling ever. He's I, that good. Man. Yeah, I would He's put him over Paul Heyman any day. Yeah, and I like Heyman, but Heenan, I, I, I would take Heenan in a heartbeat. I mean, he was so on the mic, obviously, but not – as a manager, his act as a manager while the match was going on. And then you put him on commentary. He was incredible in the commentary table, too. So quick, man. And so he had his thing perfected like no one else. He was incredible, man. But he, he, he might be the greatest. And nobody brought that out better than Gorilla. I always loved listening to yeah. those two on commentary. It was, it was so amusing. Even though you're supposed to, like really be against Bobby the Brain Heenan because he's the bad guy. You can't right. help but listen to some of the things he said and said, you know, that was kind of funny. He's 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 got a good point there. Yeah, you know, and I don't know when I started cheering for heels. You know, when you became teenager and everything, and then NWO, obviously. We were, at some point, you become like a fan of the heels. But I, I always liked him, maybe because I was a big Mr. Perfect fan. That's probably the first heel that I liked. And he was with Bobby there for a while. So I, I just loved him. Their chemistry. And apparently they were like best friends off the screen too. 
it, it, it just was magic. But he was good with everybody. And Gorilla, he takes a lot of crap nowadays. And I don't know why. He does say a lot of the same stuff all the time. You know, it's going to be a happening. It's going to be a happening. I still say that to this day. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's funny. But if you go back and watch, he does say it about 50 times a show. (laughs) Probably unnecessary. But he's magic with Jesse, too. Magic. Like, I would take, I would personally on commentary, the combo of Gorilla and Jess, I like the best. Maybe because they did all the WrestleManias and everything. But it didn't matter who Gorilla was with. It worked. It was great. Whoever Bobby was with was great. I can't imagine anybody being against Gorilla Monsoon compared to what they have now. I actually just rewatched the Cody Rhodes-Seth Rollins match from last year's WrestleMania. First off, they they called him Seth freaking Rollins probably 4,000 times in 20 minutes. And it's like, his name is Seth Rollins. You don't have to say that. And every few minutes they kept saying, well, this is Cody's first match in six years in the WWE. Oh my (laughs) gosh, what's going to happen next? Could this be the end? And it's just like the same thing over and over. Those guys today are nowhere near the level that they were 20, 30 years ago when you had Gorilla and Bobby the Brain. Because it was just, it's just so repetitive now what they do. And I, I think maybe Vince has part of that too, just to yeah. tell them to constantly remind people of what's going on and what the story is. But be a little more creative, bring something to the match. Yeah. I mean, everybody says that Vince is just obnoxious in your ear, you know, while you're trying to talk. And I will give Michael Cole this he got it, he is a ton better than he was years ago. And he has gotten a ton better since he got with Pat McAfee. And then when Vince left, it was almost, he got amazingly better. I don't know. I don't know how it happened, but he got amazingly better, but no, you're absolutely right. And I think if you go back and you watch those eighties, whether it's Bobby or whether it's Jesse on commentary, those guys really lead the way, even though they're the color commentator, they're the ones telling the story of the match. And, you know, the gorilla or whoever it was just kind of plays off of them and they play the good guy role too, but they play off. And Jesse's the one narrate, you know, whether it's macho man doing his thing or Hogan, Oh, look at Hogan. He's the pukester. Yeah. Those guys are the ones doing it, and those are two of the best talkers ever. So that's probably why it's better. But anyway, yeah, it, I, I think it's slightly better than it has been, but it's still not good. And don't even get me started on the AEW commentary booth. That brutal. Yeah, I other than Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone, guys I grew up with, I, I'm really not here for that. But uh, that that's something we should save for another day, Ryan, because I want to really get uh, people tuned into the job, guys. I feel like I've uh, taken your show away and put it on my show, but I really wanted to put you over on this. So where can people find the job, guys? Yeah, so go. It, it's YouTube show, as Duff put over. Thank you. Uh, it's a video podcast. You can have it on in the background if you want, but it is better usually when you're seeing it. So... Uh, job guys podcast you can just search job guys the job guys it'll come up our logo is the nwo logo with j-o-b in there for life uh, yeah for life or you can search my name 
Ryan Slocum, S-L-O-C-U-M. Uh, it'll come up that way as well. And yeah, we just, we have a good mix. We review every WWE pay-per-view. We'll sometimes do previews of them. We haven't done one in a while, but sometimes a preview. And then we do a lot of different like top tens and things that we've done a lot of real fun shows, top 10 tag teams in WWE history, top five worst Halloween havoc matches of all time. That show, I highly recommend that show is the job guys may be at their best being sarcastic, making fun of dumb things like the dungeon of doom <laughs> and things like that. You know, Hulk Hogan on a monster truck fight on top of Kobo hall. It just <laughs> trying to be as stupid and funny as we possibly can be. Some people that say that's zero, but we try and things like that. And then we review every pay-per-view afterward. And then we do, like I said, the run back, it's just basically a retro review, but we have a few categories we do at the end of every show. And we talk about what we were doing. Maybe, like I said, WrestleMania eight, I tell my story about being there and then we review the matches a little bit and things like that. We just have a good time with it, man. And if, if you're somebody who's our age, you'll probably appreciate it because you'll remember some of those times too, you know, cause you were probably doing the same thing we were doing back then so we're trying to just kind of tell our story about it and uh, we're going to do another one here the next big one we're going to do actually is king of the ring 1993 this is 30th anniversary coming up in june of the first king of the ring won by bret hart so hey man nice round number right 30 years so we're going to review that one and call it our run it back show and then we'll have at the end you know match of the night line of the night funniest moment of the night most and best uh moment you know most rewatchable moment who won the night who was the big winner um and again we'll tell our story about watching that back in the day as well now were you that's about it man we got a good variety of stuff man now were you at SummerSlam 93 at the palace i was not because my parents took me to wrestlemania 8 yeah it was a year and a half earlier but they were like, no, we, we already took you to wrestling. You're not going to, you're not going back. So no, I didn't get to go, man. Well, I know you, I know you've got tickets for the upcoming SummerSlam in August at Ford mm-hmm. field. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think Crystal and I, and I are going to go to that show it. as well. I may actually be there covering it. I'm not sure yet. Uh, so we'll find that out too. Okay. Who would you interview if you got the chance? Oh, well, Rick Roman. I mean, Roman, man, that's the guy. Well, be that's sure to acknowledge him. Oh, I, uh, I'm, I'm doing it right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I'm so happy for him. And it, they're kind of in a lull right now. They're kind of like, it, this, you know, this time of year is always kind of the downtime anyway. But, my gosh, how good has that guy gotten? You know, people gave him so much crap. And then he came back. And he, you got to talk about that dude now is a top 20 guy of all time. I mean, he's incredible. And when he comes out, his entrance is nothing. He just walks half a mile an hour to the ring. Kind of like someone else we know. Yeah, right. But he doesn't have all that pop and circumstance and light and smoke and fire going up behind him. He just walks to the ring 
and it's like an event. I mean, all eyes are on that dude. And I just was at WrestleMania in L.A. All eyes are glued on that dude when he's coming down. Uh, it's I'm so happy for him. He's awesome. I've always liked him, and I think he's just terrific. Um, I know some people might not like that, but I, I love the guy. I think he's awesome. So, yeah, definitely Roman, man. That would be that would be the dude, no question. In either case, I'm sure there is going to be a Job Guys podcast about the, the Ford Field SummerSlam that's in August. What about a SummerSlam 93 Job Guys podcast, uh, the one that took place at the Palace? Yeah, yeah so we're going to do that because, again, 30th anniversary. And I wish one of – Nick was there. Nick was there. So um, we will get his perspective on that. But, you know, we did – last summer, we did SummerSlam 95 – which many believe is the worst one of all time because that's Diesel against Mabel, you know? Not <laughs> yeah, I don't even remember that. I'm, I'm glad you gave me that uh, refresher course on just how bad yeah, it was. Well, well, check it out if you want to. YouTube, Job Guys, uh, SummerSlam 95, it's on there. Uh, that was another one where we just ripped on stuff because it was so bad. But, you know, a lot of people think 93 is really bad, too. Uh, because of the finish and some of the other matches weren't very good. I don't think it's that bad. I really like your guy, the whole Bret Hart thing. I've watched that maybe a hundred times in my life. It all popped in the VHS and I would just watch the Bret Hart, Jerry Lawler segment. Doink comes out, has a good match with Doink. Then Jerry gets in there, has a good match with Jerry. But I love that segment. So, and that was almost like an hour of the show. Yeah, and you can just do an hour of the show just with like Brett uh, doing his thing. I mean, that's that's how good he was back then. He was so oh. fun to watch. But yeah, I but... never understood the decision behind the countout. I mean, you had the Lex Express. All of this was leading up to what you thought would be Lex Luger taking the title back for the great old U.S. of A. And then it just ends in a countout, but they act like he won the Super Bowl or something with all right. the pomp and circumstance. Yeah, I've never heard, and maybe Pritchard talked about it. Was Pritchard there? I, yeah, he I, I was gotta there. believe he, he was, was in some yeah, capacity. He yeah, he was back. He came back after SummerSlam '92, so I, he may have talked about it on his podcast. But I, they just changed their mind, like. I heard the Lex Express did not go well. And I have heard Pritchard talk about this. Like Lex was just miserable doing the Lex Express thing. He was absolutely miserable, was not a good sport, didn't like it, didn't want to do it, didn't want to meet these people. And I don't know if that turned them off. I don't know if it they didn't get good crowds for the Lex Express. Like people weren't showing up to the mall to get their autograph or whatever. But at some point, they last second, they went, no. No, it's not time. We're not doing it. And then, you know, the whole Royal Rumble 94 debacle is they did that finish almost to let the fans decide. So they both went over the top rope at the same time. And your boy, Howard Finkel, and the winner is. And then they play Lex's music. Crowd, yay. No, 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 no. The other referee says, and the winner is. Brett's music hits. Wah! Place goes nuts, you know. 
Yeah, Brett was clearly more over at that time. You could really tell. I think everybody had moved towards Brett. I feel yep. bad for Lex, but it just did not work out, like you said. And he was, I don't know if he ever really uh, relished the idea of being the all-American guy and uh, the next Hulk Hogan. I don't know if that was really what he envisioned going to WWF at that time was going to be about. I don't know. You know, cause his story is so goofy, you know, because he, he went over there in 1992. He's at WrestleMania 8. They interview him at WrestleMania 8. But he was still under WCW contract for another year. So he couldn't wrestle. So he's there. And then they put him in the WBF, and that was an absolute disaster. Uh, just terrible. And then he comes in finally as a narcissist. But the, he just turned into USA Lex out of nowhere. That was always so weird to me. Like, 10 seconds ago, he was this jerk guy, and now he's Mr. America? What what just happened? America. <laughs> and then two months later, or one month later, he should win the title, doesn't. And there was some stipulation in there, too, like he could never fight for the belt again or something. And then he, the only reason he got to is because of the rumble. And then Mr. Perfect cost him the match at WrestleMania 10. Well, Perfect never wrestled. Like, he just, he was hurt, and he never wrestled. So that never went anywhere. It was like they just didn't know what to do with the guy. Really strange. Yep. You can hear all of this and more by listening to Ryan's podcast, The Job Guys. We can go on so much more, but I want to give people an opportunity to hear your takes and opinions on the world of professional wrestling or sports entertainment by going right. to The Job Guys. Ryan, thank you so much for making the time this week. Uh, Duffer, thanks for asking me, buddy. And that's a wrap on this edition of A Duff Said. If you would like to hear previous episodes of this podcast, all you have to do is go to my website, aduffsaid.com. You can become a subscriber to this podcast. Just look for me on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow me on Facebook. Just look me up at sports journalist Duff Tyler. Find me on Twitter. Just type in Duff Tyler. Our announcer for this edition was Ben Hassinger, Michigan's ukulele ambassador and Hall of Fame baseball balladeer. You can hear more about Ben's story just by looking up his episode by that exact title, Ben Hassinger, Michigan's ukulele ambassador and baseball balladeer. All other announcements are done by Steve Gale, the best high school sports public address announcer in the state of Michigan. As for me, I'm Duff Tyler, and I'm reminding you, that if Duff said it, it must be true, because that's what a Duff said. Thanks for listening, folks. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. <laughs>